Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is my note for uh, last week's episode, um, which was a continuation of our discussion on Joe Rogan. Um, it was an opportunity for me to, last week's discussion was an opportunity for me to, to, to discuss, you know, a change uh, for me uh, in the last handful of years, not ex- explicitly because of COVID, though that's part of it, um, uh, of course, uh, those of you that listen regularly. Um, but I have become a maximalist um, on free speech. And I probably always had this tendency, but I was very cautious about it and and very much wanted to qualify and put parameters around um, this fundamental principle or what I would identify as a fundamental principle within um, American democracy. And, you know, I was trying to think about or trying to articulate exactly why beyond what I said last week, I think it's critically important to have a maximalist, uh, and I know I've used that word a couple of times, but a maximalist position on this issue. And I quite seriously thought of Plato. Um, and you know, one of the one of the Plato's ideas that often gets poo-pooed in um, in ph- philosophical seminars, which I am familiar with because you know of just my years in the academy is this idea that you can only learn something you already know. So this is, you know, a pretty famous uh, series of dialogues in which Plato demonstrates through Socrates that you can only, you know, usually using some sort of EG with geometry or something like that, that you can only know things that you already know. Schopenhauer picked up this idea. Nietzsche uh, thought the idea uh, had some credence. Um, and, you know, I would, of course, want to qualify it. But it is certainly true that we have all met people in our lives or have encountered our own selves in certain situations in which our understanding of the world clicks. Um almost effortlessly. Not to say that there wasn't labor before that, not to say that there wasn't slogging through a difficult passage or listening to a difficult talk or maybe working on a really difficult proof or something like that. Um, But something snaps into place. Um, And we've also had the experience of, of being in conversation with people in which ideas cannot snap into place for us. Free speech seems to me to be a method for ensuring that that possibility is always open for us. That we might hear something, that we might read something, that we might see something that reminds us of something we didn't know. I mean, think of all the things that you might already know but don't know. All of the ideas that might resonate with you that you haven't yet encountered all of the artworks or poems or philosophical arguments or demographic assessments of our history that 
teach you something about being here on this planet for the time that we have here. And when I think of that, when I think of the plethora of things I have never encountered, I don't want to put any restrictions on what people can say. I, I don't, I want to let all of those things in. I want to let all of the opinions in. I want to let all of the points of view, even the racist, even the demagogue, um, even the most hateful assessment. How can we know what that's going to jog loose for us? I don't mean that in hearing some racist speech, we might uncover the truth of racism. Of course, that's absurd. I don't believe that. But what might we understand about that kind of hatefulness, about maybe a kind of hatefulness that lives in ourselves that we barely acknowledge, or a fear, or superstition, or anxiety that we can't really put our finger on? You can't know. You can't, I mean, you can't know. You, 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 the horizon of the things that you are aware of is just, it's so limited, as, as is my own, as all, all of ours. And we are here on this planet with all of these other points of view. I think you have to let it all fly. I think you have to let it all go. I think you have to let all of the offense in, in order to get to the sublimity of that kind of understanding of that moment of insight into your own life or into the lives of others. And so that's why for someone like Joe Rogan, who again, I don't listen to, and I don't, that's not a dodge. I don't like secretly actually listen to Joe Rogan or something like that. I really only have digested him in bits and pieces. Um, but it seems to me he's, he's a pretty clear cipher for a, a kind of anxiety amongst elites um, in 21st century America. But I think you have to let it all go. Um, it might just be that, my contribution, our contribution, this moment's contribution, 2022, the early 21st century, we might be some obscure footnote to an unimaginably gracious future that we can't see. And we might be the last stand against a dark tyranny that we can't foresee. We can't know any of that. We're completely blind to what's coming. Um, and because of that, I don't want to shut any of it down. Um, I think you have to let it all go uh, when it comes to language and when it comes to the expression of ideas. Um, that's what I had to say this week. Um, we always appreciate our listeners. Uh, and next week, we'll catch up. I think we're talking about Jesse Smollett. I think uh, uh, Stephen had mentioned he wanted to do that. So um, thanks, everyone. Have a good week. Hello, this is Seth Rodney. I am currently the senior critic at Hypoallergic and uh, its opinion is opinions editor. I'm speaking to you on Monday, March 21st. I'm rather late with this note. It should have been done a couple of days ago. Just topsy-turvy things in my life happening, which I suppose Stephen, Travis, and I will talk about in subsequent episodes. Now I'm just sort of rehashing, rethinking the conversation we had on Joe Rogan, a sort of part two conversation. 
Well, we talked about Stephen's real desire for the kind of thing that Joe Rogan does, which is just let his guests speak, uh, mostly uninterrupted. Uh, I have a problem with that. Well, before I talk about what I have a problem with, I should say that, that Stephen's position is just as he wants to be able to do the interpretive work himself. He wants to be able to make up his own mind about the worth, worthiness of what any particular interlocutor is bringing to a conversation. And what I find is I don't mind having someone be a kind of, maybe this isn't the right word, curator, uh, someone intervening and bringing their own point of view to the conversation. I just think that real, really pointed questions can be asked sometimes. And no, I don't know. What I think is, is stronger than that. What I see in the U.S. American uh, media landscape is a lot of people wanting to have conversations with people who are quite famous for doing whatever they do. Uh, actors, politicians, poets, priests, business people, whatever. But they don't, most of the time, it feels like they, that interviewers, journalists, don't actually get the people they are talking to to answer the question that's been asked. They will, the uh, person who's being interviewed will make shit up, will evade, will ignore the questions being asked, will uh, stymie, will uh, uh, basically answer the question they want to answer. And I just find that it's, 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 it's just disheartening to listen to interview after interview where, as a listener, I want typically to get an answer to the question that's been posed. And I, I rarely get that. Unless the person uh, who's being interviewed has a lot of intellectual integrity and really believes in the process. And I find that that's rare. So I don't care much for what Joe Rogan does. And as Travis pointed out, Joe Rogan is, is I'm not Joe Rogan's audience. Uh, yeah, and I don't want to be. But more than that, I think what I want is for journalists, interviewers, talking heads, to actually get people to answer the questions that are being asked them. And I think that they should not move from that question until it is asked. Uh, despite whatever dissembling they encounter. I think, honestly, that, that, that my position is just, that's the basis of honest action. If we're going to have come together and actually have a real conversation, and by a real conversation I mean one in which we discover something, not merely rehash positions we already are familiar with, if we are to put ourselves into a place where we can actually discover something, 
where we can have a kind of aha moment, where we can be surprised. The only ways that we can do that is if we ask real questions, that is, questions that push us, questions that are unexpected, questions that we may have to search ourselves to find an answer for, and that may take time, and it may be uncomfortable. Uh, that's what I want. I don't know that Joe Wilkin is ever going to do that or really wants to do that. Um, maybe he does, I'm not sure, but that's what I want. And I feel until we get that, well, I feel like, honestly, I'm the person, I'm the kind of person who would do that. I don't know if someone's going to ever give me a a platform, a forum where in which I can do that, but that's what I would bring to the game. That's what I want. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Hello, everyone. This is Stephen G. Fullwood, and here's my coda to last week's episode on In Defense of Joe Rogan. Let me start out by saying I really love long conversations. I like how American Age, for example, attempts to think about these ideas in real time and kind of work them out. And I, like you, probably have a series of ongoing conversations um, that have been going on in your life, personal and professional, about whatever. Like, for example, for me, I have had a series of conversations about culture, history, archives, queerness, prison abolition, Harlem hauntology, Mark Fisher, music, film, and the list goes on and on. And I've had these conversations um, more than just once, often over years. And in different ways and with different people. For example, my best friend, Carla, and I met when we were 14 years old as freshmen in um, high school in Toledo, Ohio. Um, we have series of conversation reference points and are constantly f- trying to figure out how to enjoy life, be better, and, and take care of each other. Um, I've had ongoing conversations with my son, Andre, who loves film, who loves painting, and a number of other things that he's engaged in. Um, I have conversations with friends that I met in college as well as even in high school over social media about issues and things that impact us all or just varied interest around culture. Of course, I'm having ongoing conversations in my field of archives with librarians and archivists and curators and other kinds of folks who are concerned about keeping the public record analog materials, digital materials, uh, creating materials such as oral histories to to develop um, so that the world will know what happened here when we're gone. Mostly, I think a lot of my conversations in general, if there's a through line, if there can be a through line, is how to be responsible, how to be a responsible person in the 21st century. Surprise, the central tenet is that you help take care of others. That's my, my version of the answer. And I even try to have conversations with people who I do not share interest with, although I haven't been as successful as I'd like to be. What I like to think of is that I'm building the capacity to be patient and kind and to have space for um, those kind of difficult conversations when I'm not having those conversations. And this is what I mean by that. Right now, I'm reading a piece in The Atlantic. It's an interview with Mohammed bin Salman al Al Saud, excuse me, colloquially known as MBS. He's the heir apparent to Saudi Arabia, a Saudi politician, the crown prince, deputy prime minister, and minister of defense of Saudi Arabia. He also serves as the chairman of the Council of Economic and Development Affairs and chairman of the Council of Political and Security Affairs. 
Uh, the reporter and editor-in-chief of The Atlantic met with MBS twice over a few months to speak with him about a number of things. This excited me because that's the first story I went for. I both get the digital version and the um, printed version of The Atlantic, and this is my first story. And I was like, I don't know much about this guy. He seems reprehensible based on the news that I have, um, I've been um, over the years, I guess, you know, particularly with the, um, the killing of jur- um, journalist Jamal Khashoggi, the Washington Post journalist. So I wanted to hear what this guy had to say about himself. And so some of the I was curious about how MBS frames his ambition to modernize Saudi Arabia. And so apparently Saudi Arabia is now open to visitors and investment. Uh, lets its citizens partake in ordinary acts of recreation and even certain vices, such as and has legalized cinemas and concerts. And most notable, what well, not most notably, but notably, invited really you know raw hip hop artists to come and perform there. The power of hip hop, folks. Allowed women to drive, to dress as freely as they did as they want to in Dubai and Bahrain. And he has curtailed the role of reactionary clergy and all but abolished the religious police and has explored relationships with Israel, which is really these are all points that the article. um, So I'm reading from the article um, pointed out, which I think are interesting, given the very little information I have about Saudi Arabia and a number of countries who are very strict about dressing and what men and women do. Um, So that was interesting to me. And when he was asked about Khashoggi. Uh, whether or not he ordered the killing, he said, if that's the way we did things, Khashoggi would not even be among the top thousand people on the list. When I th- I think it's a provocative thing to say and also a thing that I'm keeping in my head as I continue to build my knowledge about him. Um, and so even though this particular article more than likely went through several edits, reviewed by Atlantic's legal staff, etc. Um, still, I like to believe that this was a space for um, MBS to talk about the things that he was interested in talking about. He's described as a charismatic person, a kind person who even when he was meeting with the editor and reporter said, I'm sorry about um, we can't hug because of, you know, COVID protocols. Like he's just he's given some space and it's a fairly long article. Um, But I wanted to hear MBS talk for himself. He hasn't given out a lot of interviews over the years. Um, and so this was an opportunity to do that. And I know that this is hardly true all the time, but I le- think it's important to go to the source. And this is not the source. There's a you know a few layers before I get to MBS. But still, the point I'm, I'd like to make is that with Joe Rogan, though, his long form interview style overall allows for his interviews to talk a lot, to be asked questions in the middle of at, um, explaining something, you know, and I like that. And I think for the most part, and again, I haven't listened to Joe Rogan, like a whole Joe Rogan episode in quite some time. I've only listened to clips here and there that have been pulled from his um, YouTube channel before he went to Spotify. And a few that have, you know, a few episodes that have been um, excerpted and put on YouTube from the Spotify time as well. So, but um, in the last conversation with Travis and Seth, I said that... Rogan was an everyman and sort of yes and sort of no. And I take issue with myself for using that term because of how it's typically used these days to mean Joe the plumber, which means usually means male, um, working class and white. And so 
Collins Dictionary says, every man is used to refer to people in general. If you say, for example, that a character in a movie or a book is an everyman, you mean that that character has experiences and emotions that are like those of any ordinary person. I mean, that covers basically everybody, but why does that have to be a man? You know, it could be every person or some non-gender specific thing, but you know where we're coming from and you, hopefully you'll know where we're going with the way gender is being not just challenged, but expanded to represent and to really, I think, fulfill something that we've been wanting to do for a while around people and how they identify. In 2017, Joe Rogan reportedly was making $20 million a year from his monetized YouTube channel. And I don't think of him as an everyman in that sense, because most of us are hardly millionaires or will ever be. Um, I give him props for being curious and having conversations with a variety of people that most of us would never ever have conversations with. And I think that some of the more reprehensible people that he's spoken with that I've that he's spoken with that I've had I've had um I listened to him speak, he talks to them and makes it very plain at times. And I like that interview style. So he's not abrasive and I think that some of these alt-right people who often don't describe themselves as that feel comfortable sharing their opinions with him, even though sometimes it's a bunch of gobbledygook that makes no sense to me. There you have it. And this is where I would end this coda. The idea of hard conversations and how necessary they are and how they've always been necessary between good faith actors. I think the only way we can get better as a species, in my humble estimation, is by having those hard conversations over years, decades, you know, centuries. Because I think that when we do that, we we get closer to being with one another as opposed to constantly pointing out our differences. Um, I want to return the word politics as in everybody, the definition of politics as in everybody compromises and everybody doesn't get everything they want, but people get something right. Not today where the idea is the winner who is often a cheater or has benefited from a number of um, privileges that most people don't have, you know, takes it all. All of us should have something. And I think the one way to better understand each other is having those hard conversations. That's it. Thank you.